One of the lessons I've learned in martial arts is that standing still is asking to be hit. If you stand still in business, your competition is gonna catch up. I start each morning practicing martial arts because it brings me balance and focus. And I wanna know how others stay motivated as well. So join me for conversations on business, innovation, and entrepreneurship. I'm Dan Schulman. Welcome to Never Stand Still. Hi, everybody. I'm Dan Schulman, president and CEO of PayPal, and welcome to another episode of Never Stand Still. Today, I'm joined by my very good friend, John Donahoe. Uh, all of you know him. He's the president and CEO of Nike. John and I have known each other for many, many years now. Uh, in fact, John was the person who recruited me uh, to, uh, to PayPal. Uh, and so I owe him a ton of thanks for that. Uh, John has had an amazing career. Um, he spent maybe almost 20 years at Bain. Um, and uh, rose to uh, be their uh, CEO, uh, Bain, obviously, a very famous management consulting company. And then John took a leap um, and uh, came to eBay, uh, replacing Meg Whitman. Uh, she went, he did a full turnaround there and uh, engineered the split of eBay and PayPal. Um, and then uh, went to run uh, and be CEO of ServiceNow. While he was at uh, ServiceNow, um, he turned around a lot of that culture and uh, um, had an amazing run there. Uh, stock price uh, uh, just, uh, it's hard to keep up with it uh, in a competition uh, between PayPal and, uh, and ServiceNow. And, um, and then John, um, uh, made the decision, and he had been on the board of Nike for quite some time, um, to uh, become the CEO and, uh, and president of Nike. We'll talk about that. Um, and so he's the fourth CEO um, that Nike has ever had uh, um, for that uh, iconic brand. So just a quick couple of other things on John. So John went to two schools both of those schools rejected me so you know I'm, I'm both dartmouth and stanford stanford for his mba dartmouth uh, undergraduate he is the uh, chairman of the uh, business uh, council uh, here in the us and um, he very importantly uh, and uh, um, and i really appreciate this so much is also the uh, chairman of the board of uh, paypal um, and so, uh, John, um, I want to welcome you to uh, Never Stand Still, and thank you for doing this. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate it. And you, you make it sound like I can't keep a job. <laughs> uh, but, Dan, before we get started, I want to say you and I met, I think it was seven years ago, as I was driving in today, I was reflecting on that at your house in the Berkshires about joining PayPal. And... In my wildest imagination dreams, I never could have imagined what you've done and what PayPal's done over the last five years since being an independent company. It is truly inspiring and spectacular. And so I wanna just say right up front how much I, I honor and appreciate what you've done as a leader. You've, you've become a role model for me. 
And, and just, I can't, everyone at PayPal, I can't tell you how proud I am and uh, everyone that's ever been associated with this company about what you're doing uh, in the world. So I just wanna say congratulations and you have my deep respect and admiration. Thanks, John, that's really nice. It's such a great effort by so many people uh, to get uh, to where we are right now. And uh, you know, your support and guidance along the way um, has been instrumental on that. And we'll talk about that just because we share so much in terms of our management philosophy. In fact, maybe we could start off there. It's probably the best place um, uh, to begin. Part of what, um, you know, created the bond between you and I is we think about uh, management and uh, uh, in the same way. We have the same philosophy. You call it servant leadership. And it'd be great if you could define kind of what that means. And then how do you put that into practice? Yeah, well, it's 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 sort of in many ways, Dan, the, the, the form of leadership I learned early in my career. And, and some of my mentors include people like Tom Tierney, who you know. Yep. And he was the first person that coined the phrase servant leader for me. Um, but to me, servant leadership is all around how do you serve your purpose, serve your customers, serve your teammates, and serve the communities in which you operate. And I feel like service is one of those incredibly important sources of inspiration because Resilience turns out to be a really important thing. As you know, there are a lot of ups and downs. You never accomplish anything great without embracing adversity. And service is just one of those things that leads, leads you through. And interestingly, uh, in, my, in my career, it's so funny for me joining Nike because early in my career, my role models, my leader role models were people like Phil Jackson and Mike Krzyzewski, Coach K. In fact, I'm in my office here at Nike, and I don't know if you can see, I have yeah. Phil Jackson, John Thompson, Tara Vandeleur, who's the women's coach at Stanford, and Coach K right behind my desk. And this, they are all servant leaders. And, and what I loved, I loved watching The Last Dance, because what Phil Jackson did is he took, his attitude was, hey, the players on my team are better basketball players than I ever was, right? Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, Steve Kerr, John Paxson. And Phil Jackson viewed his job as how do I get these incredibly talented people that are far more talented than he was to play together, buy into a greater purpose and perform. And that's how I've always viewed you know, leadership in my career. How do I get people that are far better than I am um, on the playing field, and my job is saying, how can we help buy into a higher purpose and come together as one team? I have shamelessly stolen that phrase from you, <laughs> and um, and you know, perform at even higher levels. Yeah, I think that actually is the key, and I think it's an incredibly important leadership lesson. I, you and I have embraced this for a long time, but um, the only way to have great sustained performance are for people to work together as one team. And that's sometimes difficult to do when you have these great individual contributors who sometimes, you know, to use your metaphor, want the ball, you know, and really 
the the ability to work seamlessly together is what produces outstanding results and and being the kind of leader that can produce that kind of team one can take hard action where you need to cuz sometimes you got to trade even a great player who's destroying the team um but really to be able to mold that team around a purpose and you you John not only can do that but I remember when you were thinking about moving to Nike <clears throat> what you said is it's the purpose of Nike that is really attracting you and can you talk a little bit about what that purpose is and how that has affected how you approach the business strategy of Nike Yeah well purpose has always been really deeply important to me as it is to you I mean service and purpose are the two places I get my source of inspiration. And Nike's purpose has always resonated with me. Nike's purpose is to bring inspiration and innovation to every athlete. And there's an asterisk next to athlete in the world. And then the bottom, the asterisk says, if you have a body, you are an athlete. (laughs) And to me, there's two two, uh, pieces of that that speak to me deeply. One is a deep belief in human potential. Right, just do it. Nike has always sort of stood for a belief that everybody has a wellspring of potential inside of them that's even greater than they understand. And it's a very human brand in that way. And then second is the power of sport. You know, Dan, I don't know how you feel. We're roughly the same age. The world is more polarized than any time I feel like in my adult life, right? Polarization. The the divides are are so great. And a lot of the uh, institutions that we depend upon in our adult lives, like governments and other other civil society institutions have lost credibility. And sport is one of the few things that brings people together. It brings people together within a country and it brings people together across nations. And it brings people together on a level playing field. Talk about diversity and inclusion. It doesn't matter the color of your skin, your height, your weight, your background, your ethnicity, your sexual orientation. If you can play, you're allowed to play. And you play under a series of civil rules. It's competitive, but sport brings people together. And so I feel like the world needs sport more today than ever before. And you know, I feel so privileged to be part of Nike because we can help promote sport and promote that that sort of uh, deep belief in human potential. Yeah, it's interesting. I've seen now businesses step up more and more to um, to playing a role in advocating for issues like social justice and. Nike has been really at the forefront of this for many, many years, whether it be kind of um, full gender equality, you know, uh, in terms of male, female athletes, um, your solidarity that you had with Colin Kaepernick, um, the, um, the don't do it campaign that you just had, you know, which is like, do not stay silent on racism. Um, and, you know, um, as you well know, PayPal, you know, we've taken a number of 
of stands as well. And, um, and I've gotten some pushback uh, from that, from some customers and some uh, others up to and including death threats, uh, as you know. And um, so the question that I have for you, John, is like, what role do you think businesses should be playing in important social issues of our day? Because it used to be that the purpose of a business was maximize profitability for shareholders. And you talked about kind of servant leadership, and that was sort of like early multi-stakeholder capitalism in kind of, you know, in today's lingo. Um, But like now you and I are both taking stands around social issues. Can you tell me why you think that's important and what role businesses play in that? Well, the first thing I'll say, Dan, is I've learned a lot from you on this. You know, I I remember the first time we did a fireside chat, it was your first day PayPal. Yeah. And we did a fireside chat. And two things you were crystal clear that meant so much to you financial inclusion and diversity, inclusion, and belonging. You were from day one. And that was that was well before those things were kind of in things to do. Yeah. And so I've had the privilege of watching you bring those to life and bring those to life inside of PayPal and to see PayPal step up and and represent its purpose in those two dimensions so beautifully. And I've learned from that, including what you've done most recently with the 500 million, which is just just awesome. You know, Nike, as you said, also has had a long history with that. And I'm, I'm, I'm honored to, to um, be building on that history. And it, it, this is particularly relevant in today's moment because Nike's brand and its company has um, really been part of black the black athletes, black community and black culture since the beginning. You think about what Nike does. We hold up our heroes and our heroes have been uh, many black athletes, Michael Jordan, Bo Jackson, Tiger Woods, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Serena Williams, Lisa Leslie, Simone Biles, right? Incredible athletes mm-hmm. that Nike holds up as not only our heroes, but heroes of society. Uh, black culture has been a core part of Nike's um, um, brand and identity, whether that's the Jordan brand, the Converse brand, or the Nike brand. And our consumer base uh, skews demographically more toward the black community. So there's a deep sense of heritage inside this company about the black community and black culture. And so we feel a responsibility to stand, you know, we talk about serve our athletes, our yeah. elite athletes, other athletes and serving society. And so we, we try to stand with them publicly and then in other ways as well. And so the company does so much on that front. I will also say though, Dan, that as I've been doing a lot of listening and I know, I know this is a, a journey that never, never, never ends. Yes. While Nike is recognized as a real leader on diversity, inclusion, belonging around the black community externally, as I've talked to some of our teammates internally, while our representation numbers are pretty good, they're saying, John, you know what, we need to do better. We need to do better in terms of representation, building a real culture of diversity, inclusion, and belonging, not just for our black teammates, but for our Latinx teammates, for our Asian teammates, our Native American teammates, LGBTQ, the military veterans, uh, those with disabilities. and so. 
there's been a real call to action about us to raise our game on that front. I think we're good, but we're far from great. And so I'm, I've just, these last few weeks has really reminded me how this, this is a journey that you've got to redouble down and redouble down and recommit yourself to time and time again. Yeah, um, I always say the same thing inside PayPal as well. I mean, we've been on this journey from the day I got here, as you mentioned. Yeah. We've made a lot of improvements, um, but you're never really done. The really interesting thing to me, though, is the better you get at bringing in a diverse workforce, having true inclusion, um, the better you perform as a company. And so to me, this is um, this is something that really drives, like, I think every single company should be having the same intensity of focus because it only makes you better as a company. And so this is the thing that I think um, it's hard for me to imagine why every single company isn't going at this with, a, you know, vigor and uh, and an intensity really for their own preservation as a company, frankly. I couldn't agree more. I mean, the data, the data says, right, the most diverse teams are the most innovative teams. Diverse teams perform with the most sustainable performance because that diversity of views keeps you on your toes. Yeah, yeah. You know, John, if I can segue from um, this topic of kind of social justice, um, because it ties into what's happening around the world right now as well, because the pandemic, uh, everything that's happening around COVID-19, in my view, has sort of um, turned our world upside down, but in many ways exposed issues that were already there before the pandemic. Like we had a financial crisis, inclusion crisis well before, but it was covered by record low employment, uh, low unemployment levels. You know, now that we have 15 to 20% unemployment, you can't ignore the economic crisis. And this pandemic has also like turned the retail world upside down, the entertainment world upside down, education, uh, medicine, you, you name it, healthcare. Um, there's so many things that have been impacted by the pandemic and really a lot of psychological impact uh, from consumers uh, uh, as well. Can you maybe talk to me a little bit about how you're thinking about um, the trends that are emerging from the pandemic, how Nike is responding to that, and maybe a little bit about how you're adapting your leadership style as a result of it. Yeah, well, you know, I, I couldn't agree more, Dan, with your characterization, because I think both this global pandemic, the economic crisis that's coming from that, and then now the, the, the dialogue around systemic racism, all are exposing things that have been there for a long time. And like PayPal, what we did at Nike on sort of right when the first pandemic crisis hit was job one was to take care of our own people. And in our case, in addition to, we have roughly 25,000 salaried employees around the world. And you know what, we did the usual things, work from home, but guess what, they had their salaries. 
Yeah. We also had 35,000 people that work in Nike stores. And those stores have been closed for 12 weeks. And we have 10,000 people that work in our distribution centers. Some of the distribution centers that support e-commerce have been stayed open with brave colleagues going into those centers every day, but many have not. And so we committed right up front to provide complete pay continuity for all of our store athletes and our distribution center athletes. We call all of our teammates athletes inside. Because they are the people that can least afford to bear the brunt of this crisis. And we did it because it was the right thing to do. Uh, we'll do our earnings call later this week. That that we invested basically five hundred million dollars, and paying people while their their jobs they weren't able to do their jobs. They wanted to do their jobs. They wished their stores were open. They wished they are some of the most committed, dedicated, talented, creative teammates we have. But we felt it was important to provide pay continuity and, and predictability for them. And we were fortunate enough, like PayPal is, to be a strong enough company where we we had the resources to be able to do that. Yep. And we did it just because we thought that was the right thing. Um, you know, going forward, I think that the as we come out of this crisis, I agree with you. I think I think the economic crisis that's 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 beginning to hit is going to be one that's you know I. I I really feel for small business people and and so many other creative people in our society that have gone through real hardship. And I, I just so appreciate what PayPal does around financial inclusion and what you've done to, to you know, our core purpose is to keep people healthy uh, physically. Yeah. The core purpose of financial inclusion that you have embraced has never, never been more important. And so um, I think, you know, I think, you know, we have a lot of rebuilding to do as a as an economy and as a and as a just society. Yeah. And John, how is your um, way of leading the company personally? Has that evolved as well? I know like I've had to, you know, think about like now that I'm working from home for the most part, like how do I stay as you know, in the lives of my employees, are you doing more all employee calls? What what things have changed from your perspective that we could let people know? You know, who are watching this in terms of leadership style? Well, you know, Dan, that I've learned so much about myself over the last three months, and you know, as much as people, I think people talk about leadership and they focus on the external elements of leadership. My experience is leadership is an intense inner journey. And it's an inner journey that you can be CEO of PayPal or CEO of Nikes, you and I both know the learning never stops. In fact, if anything, it becomes more important. So what have I learned about myself? Here's what I learned in the first part of my first part of working from home. I, like you, was doing Zoom calls all the time. We had a Zoom call with 25,500 people on it live. I was doing Zoom calls you know, weekly with a thousand people, two thousand people, um, and and in many ways, I was more connected to Nike teammates and athletes than I had ever been, ever would have been in person. And yet, at the end of each week, I felt so tired, <laughs> and I realized that they, in some ways, were more connected to me because they were in my living room. But I missed, I, I missed the human touch and connection, and I realized how how much I depend on that for my 
my um, kind of inner resolve and my inner, you know, soul food. Yeah. And so I had to, I had to pay attention to that and and then find ways to make sure I would I would um, you know I could feed that. I also realized that I am a iterative. I've seen I've watched this in you. Same thing. An iterative decision maker, right? So I like to sort of, hey, what do you think? Hey, get a couple of people in. Let's, what do you think about this? Hey, let's go get this person. Let's talk about it um, and iterate and build alignment. And that, while Zoom is fabulous for so many things, it's hard to schedule a Zoom call when you get those informal conversations. And so I found myself at times being alone in my home office saying, I gotta make a big call here. I wish my team was with me. So we felt like we were making it together again. A learning. But Dan, I think for me, the biggest, the biggest self learning in the last three months has been the last three weeks and listening to our black teammates, black teammates that I thought I knew well, but listening to their experience in our society, their experience when that I, I'm not, we, we've now re, begun to reopen our campus, I'm back up in Portland, hearing our black teammates say, you know what, they get stopped on the way to work. The president of the Jordan brand, a fabulous black leader, Craig Williams, saying that, you know what, he can tell by the looks and by, they've had, uh, he and other teammates have had, you know, issues with police here. Hearing them talk about how, how every time that one of their spouse or one of their kids goes out for a run, they're a little bit worried. Yeah. Hearing them talk about um, what it feels like to be black in America. And I can tell you that has, that has touched my heart in a way I don't, unlike almost anything in the last five or 10 years. And cause you know, you, we get in these jobs and we gotta keep our head down and we gotta keep pushing ahead, but this has been a moment to say we've just been forced to stop and open our hearts and open our minds and open our, um, you know, our empathy and our compassion for our teammates that have been experiencing something that's so different than yeah. what you and I face. And that I, I, it hasn't been easy for me and hasn't been easy for our organization as we've, as we've done a lot of listening and a lot of quiet compassion for each other, but I think it's been really valuable for me and for, I think, our organization. I yeah, hope I'll be yeah. a better person and a better leader as a result. Yeah, I um, just echo that. Inside PayPal, across all of our employees, I'd say across the world, I don't know if I've seen a more emotional time inside uh, the company. The extent of, um, of trying to understand uh, trying to listen and learn just the both the exhaustion of it and the devastation of it and the determination that uh, people want to try to be part of some kind of solution right now and how do they do that and what are the conversations that need to happen and there are difficult conversations and the ones to your point where we learn a tremendous amount coming out of them. Um, but I think, you know, the thing that um, really spoke to me is 
through all these conversations is it's not enough to condemn racism. You have to actually almost be uh, anti-racist. You have to be in the fight. You have to be willing to take a stand, which is why we committed over half a billion dollars, because, you know, I want this to be in so many Black leaders I've talked uh, to across the country want this to be more than a moment, but a movement. And and as we come out of the protests and the and the and the uh, public demonstration of this angst, we're going to go into a period where it's more long term, and we can't stop the work um, at that. Which is why this, you know, five hundred million dollar fund was for you know, the long term, to not forget about what we need to do to address the uh, racial wealth gap and uh, systemic racism. So um, I couldn't agree uh, more with you. Um, so John, let I me- really, I really applaud, I'll say it one last time, Dan, what you have what you and PayPal have done in that front. And PayPal, I think, is, is potentially as well, I don't know, as well positioned, but in a place that can make such an impact, because I think we all understand that we won't get racial justice until we get economic justice, yeah. right? And economic inequality is one of the root core things we need to address. And your commitment to financial inclusion and your commitment to helping be a, ma- be a major participant in striving for more economic equality, more financial inclusion is just right at the very core of these social justice and racial justice issues as well. So I'm, I'm deeply admiring and appreciative of what what everyone at PayPal is doing in, in your commitment. Yeah, thanks, John. I just think that all like of the private sector needs to step up and do what they can that is distinctly a part of who they are as well. And, and PayPal can do a part of that. Nike's doing a part of that. And I hope more and more companies uh, stand up to that. Maybe, John, I can end um, our conversation today with asking you to talk a little bit about how you deal with adversity. Because as you mentioned, you and I are were at one time athletes. Uh, we both played <laughs> intercollegiate sports. Um, we still are fitness nuts um, in terms of, you know, I do martial arts almost every day. You're doing something almost every single day, both physically and mentally uh, to stay in shape. Um, But along with being an athlete, um, there are so many losses and so many defeats um, that, you know, there is a huge sense of humility that comes with that. Um, but could you maybe share a time where either personal or professional, where you got hit hard and had to bounce back and how you did that? Because I think that is something that people always want to understand. Like, how do you get back on your feet? Oh, there have been so so many, you know, over time. You know, Dan, one that jumps immediately to mind was right around the eBay turnaround. Uh, Right as as I became a CEO of eBay, I'm literally my third day, I announced a turnaround. And while everyone knew um, it was needed, everyone hated that word because no one 
like to acknowledge that was it. So employees hated it, our eBay sellers hated it, our investors hated it, the media loved it. <laughs> and so it, it, it began a period of kind of enormous intensity around us taking some of the actions we needed to do. And as a leader, I kind of had my head down one foot in front of the other. And we had a eBay Live back then. And eBay Live is when 25,000 eBay sellers would come together um, in what was historically a real celebration of their entrepreneurialism and creativity. This particular year, it was in Chicago at McCormick Place. And um, eBay security had said, please don't go. Their eBay sellers are really angry. They're being impacted by the changes in our policies. And we don't think it's safe. And I said, no, I have to go, right? And so I remember hopping on the plane, taking off. I landed, I turned my Blackberry, we had Blackberries back on, no, no, no iPhones, it was even pre-iPhone. And I uh, get an email saying that um, during registration for eBay Live, a couple eBay sellers had threatened one of our employees. And there was a video of it on YouTube. Now, eBay's head of communications, Alan Marks, had taught me, I never want you reading, I never want you looking at any press about eBay or about you or about anything. I'll watch that, John. You shouldn't look at it. So I hadn't. But this took time. I type in eBay into YouTube because I want to watch this video. And what comes up is the top 10 search results are hate videos about me hosted by eBay sellers. Yeah. And the number one um, video has had 100,000 views. And it's, it's a video where they've taken scenes from the movie Schindler's List where the German guard shoots the Jewish prisoner and they superimpose Donahoe on the German guard's forehead and eBay sellers on the Jewish um, uh, prisoners. And I remember sitting in my room, my hotel room in Chicago that night thinking, oh my God, this is, this is overwhelming. This is, this is overwhelming. And I've got to stand up in front of 25,000 people tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. And I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can do it. I'm, I, I, w- I remember physically shaking. Yeah. And, um, and so I, I didn't sleep much that night, but what I had to get in touch with was things we talked about earlier in this, con- in this conversation around what was eBay's purpose and were the changes we making as hard as they were necessary to keep that purpose alive? And I think the answer was yes. And um, was everything we were doing in service, in service to the sellers, in service to our purpose, in service to our community? And I felt like the answer was yes. But I think what I hadn't done is in stealing myself to take each step was allowed the pain, allowed their pain to come in, into my heart, because it was almost too much to absorb. And so, I let the pain come into my heart that night. And so when I stood up the next morning, I started by just acknowledging that pain. It's so analogous to what we're just talking about with our black colleagues. And I think, you know, I think, um, you know, life is hard, leadership is hard. Being part of great companies and teams like PayPal and, and, and Nike are hard, but, opening our hearts to the adversity and opening our hearts to the challenges and acknowledging that's part of the process is 
just one of the learnings you know, along the way. I, I hate adversity. I want everything to go well. I like, you know, but it's so funny because when I look back in my life, the, the moments that have had the most purpose and meaning for me, I'm most proud of in hindsight, professionally and personally, were almost always periods of adversity. And so, and so when now when I'm in adversity, and this has been a lot the last three months, I just remind myself, now is the time where if I show up every day as a whole person, as open, vulnerable, and honest, I'll look back and be proud, right? It may not feel good at each given day, but I'll be proud. And so it's a lesson, it's so funny, this is what a circular conversation since meeting you seven years ago and, and how we have resonated in so many things and I've learned so much from you uh, and your leadership and, and just how the cycle of life, right? Brings us together and, and the lessons we learn from each other and the friendships we build and the purpose we build along the way. So. Yeah. Anyway, long-winded answer to your short question. That's like the perfect way to uh, to end this conversation because it's exactly who you are all the time. Like you have so much empathy, uh, and uh, you're the ultimate listener, uh, which I think is like such a symbol of strength to be able to listen to not think you know it all to be able to put yourself in somebody else's shoes like you do all the time. Um, it's been uh, it's been such a great number of years that we've learned from each other um, and become really close friends. And, uh, and I hope that uh, this conversation is helpful to uh, everyone watching it as well. So John, thanks so much for taking the time. I know you got a thousand things going on, but uh, such a pleasure. Thank you, Dan, all the best. All right, to you too, my friend.